This is the ATM at the Minute Podcast, episode 203. And on today's show, we're starting off with some NFL news. Got to talk the latest as we approach next week's NFL draft here in Kansas City. Then we're going to switch it over and talk about the NBA playoffs. Run through each series at a pretty good pace. Talk about who's on or what the panic meter is for all these teams, which guys have stood out, some key takeaways from the early goings. And then new little trivia NBA segment for you at the end. You're just going to have to listen all the way. If it works, may bring it back. If not, we'll scrap it. Without further ado, Jackson, let's do this. Let's start with the Jalen Hurts mega extension. The man got the bag. I believe it was $179 million guaranteed over five Correct. seasons. Is that right? God, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I watched a video with Rappaport breaking it all down and like the different guarantees and everything. It, it so far over my head and so confusing, but um, interesting for a few reasons. You know, this is a big part of the reason why half of Philly's starting defense wasn't retained because they couldn't afford to keep them when you're going to pay your quarterback 50 million a year. That's just math. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I've thrown it out there a few weeks back. I'm not sure any quarterback is good enough to make that kind of salary and still win besides Patrick Mahomes. But I mean, with the the year Hurts had last year, you know, he's in the Super Bowl, went toe to toe with Hurts. I mean, the guy definitely deserves a big bag. Yeah, the draft has an outsized importance once you have a true franchise quarterback. Um, you mentioned a couple defensive losses. I believe Javon Hargrave to the Niners and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to the Lions are the two biggest ones on that side of the ball. Probably missing Yeah, they someone. ended up retaining some DBs, but still, that starting defense is going to look a hell of a lot different. Yeah, they'll get younger. You'll see more than more Jordan Davis in his second year on the defensive line. I think they'll be just fine. Should be considered top NFC contenders. Them, the 49ers, the Cowboys. Got to throw them in there, of course. Uh, but kudos for the Eagles for getting it done early because Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert are also expected to get paid this offseason as well. You want to get that figure signed, sealed, delivered before Burrow gets his deal. And now the cheapo Bengals are on the clock here. So eager to see what that number turns out to be. And I heard a theory on that one that Burrow yeah. is going to take a smaller deal for less money. Take a two to three year deal. And that way he can get the massive deal in a few seasons. And that way they're not hurting themselves in the short term. They're still going to be able to bring in some free agents. They're not going to have to be really strapped for cash and doing what the Eagles are about to have to do, where you let so many key guys go because you need to pay your quarterback. Interesting. The Tom Brady route, I guess, is what we could call it. Yeah. I wonder how much of what you just said is Burrow being willing to sacrifice as well. Uh, I'm sure a lot of it, man. I mean, they're cheap, like you said, but Burrow wants to win at all costs. And I mean, he's Joe Burr. He's going to get endorsements out the wazoo if he wants them. He can make up, you know, five, 10 mil a year that he's going to leave on the table and endorsements. No problem. Yeah, I don't know what the Ohio tax rates are. Shout out tax day a couple of days <laughs> ago, but I, I can't imagine it's California or New York. So, you know. After $30 million a year, what is an extra few here and there? Exactly. I, I would love to know what that reality is like maybe one day. But if, if you're him, you probably do want to keep T. Higgins. You don't want to see both of your starting safeties leave in free agency time and time again. So, yeah, excited to see where that one goes. And then the other takeaway from this deal is, will Lamar's deal get done now? Yeah, supposedly the deal that he has been offered at some point in the somewhat recent past uh, was bigger than the Hertz deal. And it was more like no, 200 million two guaranteed, ago, supposedly. That got reported. The report came out two days ago, but it was very vague on the timeline and when that was offered to him. I don't know if it was months ago. I don't know if it was weeks ago or days ago, but supposedly at some point Lamar had been offered a contract with more guaranteed money than Hertz and a bigger overall number. And it was just below the Deshaun guarantee. 
Interesting. Well, I know that that 133 number had been floated out previously, and this 200 number comes after. So it sounds like those two sides are coming closer, especially after this Odell deal. So let's talk about another team who is in the market for a quarterback or or should be the Houston Texans. There's been tons of smoke about them passing on a QB at two. Do you think they have the cojones to do this? Yes. They will not take C.J. Stroud. Everything that I've read says they are out on Stroud and they're looking at other QB options, probably going to trade back. I think Will Levis is their guy, just based on what I've read in the Vegas odds. I mean, he's down to plus 200 for the number two overall pick as of yesterday. And C.J. Stroud's got the same agent as John Watson. And so I feel like when you got a franchise guy there and it went so bad and Clearly, the relationship with Deshaun and the agent, not great, you know, from the Texan side. So would you really want to go through something like that again? And then at the combine, CJ Stroud in a press conference, which this was a major weird statement to me. He said that two guys he looks up to and models his game after are Deshaun Watson and Michael Vick. I don't know if maybe his agent told him, hey, if you really don't want to go to Houston, say these couple things in a presser. They already don't like me. This will really turn them off. I don't know. I'm definitely um, deep into uh, the conspiracies on that, but I think they're going to trade back or take a defensive player at two. I don't think that'd be Levis, but I wouldn't. I don't think that conspiracy theory is that crazy. Like Houston has a ton of work to do on that roster, but I believe in D'Amico Ryan's. He's a coach. I would want to maybe, have a marriage Agreed. with going forward, knowing he's on the six, seven year deal and they're going to give him time. But yeah, they don't have any weapons to throw to other than Dalton Schultz. We'll see if John Michi can get back in the fold. They just traded Brandon cook. So they need weapons. seems like Jackson Smith and Jigba is slotted at 12 in every single mock dra- mock draft you look at. Um, but I don't think you should pass on Stroud for Levis. Maybe if you want to trade for future picks, like if there's a team that you think might not be very good this year and you really like those QBs next year better, you know, whether it's Caleb Williams, Drake May, whoever, you know, maybe you trade for future picks next year. And then at 12, you either take, you know, JSN, like you said, or if you think Levis could be the guy, maybe give him a shot. And if it doesn't work, cool. You got a backup and you got plenty of other picks. It wouldn't be the end of the world to try on a QB with the 12th pick. And if it doesn't work out, just take another next year in a better class. It's not that crazy. I really don't think. Yeah. If they could like trade back with the Raiders or something, uh, well, the Raiders did sign Jimmy G, but they could move back. The Titans? What about the Titans? I think they could stink next year. Yeah. I think they probably will stink. Probably, depending on what happens in this draft. I think they're a team that could move up to two, like we're saying. And then I think Indy. I think there's a very good chance Indy says, screw it. Stroud's our guy. We're not in on Lamar. That's clearly not happening at this point. Let's just jump up to two, take our guy. Shouldn't have to give up an unrealistic amount of capital to go from four to two. Well, I think you also, if you're the Texans, should be worried about teams trading up to three because the Cardinals don't have a need at quarterback right now you'd fully expect them to take the best defensive player available because if you look at their depth chart, the only player that you can name is Buda Baker and Isaiah Simmons, maybe Zayvon Collins if you're from Oklahoma. Yeah, And, and Baker Baker's just requested a trade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think they got to go that route. Um, and if you're the I Texans, think they trade back. I, I think a QB very well could go at three and – We'll see. It's going to depend on the Texans at two primarily, but like something at two or three, a QB is going to go in one of those two spots and a trade is likely going to happen. I'm with you on that. Uh, One theory I've heard is that D'Amico wants to build similarly to what the Niners have done. Get a badass defense on, get a badass defense to coach up and then you can just slot a winning quarterback or even a Brock Purdy or Jimmy G game manager type quarterback into that roster and you're going to win games. So yeah, you just need to get a shot or Kyle Shanahan and you're set, but you need that. I do think they're so far away where it doesn't really make sense to take a QB at two, especially if you like next year's class better and you're still probably going to stink and have a top five pick again next year. Great point, but it seems 
it seems like malpractice to go into the season with Case Keenum or Davis Mills as your starting quarterback. Take it up, baby. Go get Caleb Williams next year. You want to guarantee you get that number one pick? Go 0-17. Yeah, I think they very well could. Speaking of young quarterbacks, Rapshi came out today, said multiple teams have inquired about Trey Lance now mm-hmm. that the expectation is Purdy is the guy going forward for San Francisco. Our guy, recurring guest Lucas Olson, said Minnesota, bring him home. He played for North Dakota State. I think he's from the area. Would you like Could that idea? Sense. Go back up Kirk I, Cousins? I do like that. I don't even know if he would back up Kirk Cousins maybe for one season. Uh, I think if a team goes and trades for him, though, and they give up real capital, he's going to be the guy pretty quick if healthy and ready to go. Maybe the Commanders, maybe the Titans. I feel like just kind of where the smoke is and how Tennessee thinks about football. I think Lance would make a lot of sense there. Kind of just that ground and pound attack, whether Henry's there or not. I feel like with the Vrabel, you know, Mike Vrabel is your head coach. You're not going to change a lot um, in terms of your ideology and your schemes that you're running. I think they're going to have, you know, that same type of mentality let's have a good defense let's have a dual threat qb that can do a little bit of everything and we're not looking to win games yeah we're not looking to win games by throwing for 400 yards that's not their brand of football so i think lance could make a lot of sense there especially if they're gonna have to give up way less capital to get him than they would to go get a guy they like in this draft yeah and you'd be it, it would just be a cheaper option when you still have Malik Willis and maybe you're not totally ready to write They're him out on. on him. Everything I've heard said they are out on Malik Willis. They saw enough last year and he's not the guy. Other thing with them, their new GM, Rand Carthon, did come from the 49ers, was in that front office when they drafted Trey Lance. So there's a relationship there. Mm, that's a good piece of intel. All right, let's rapid fire these last tidbits. I think they're less pressing than the three things we just started with. We have not talked about the Lions trading Jeff Okuda, former third pick overall to the Atlanta Falcons for a fifth round pick. This move saves the Lions $5 million in cap space. They did sign Cam Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, and the aforementioned Chauncey Garner-Johnson this offseason. So they've already revamped their secondary Kind of, yeah, so what is what does this mean? What are they going to do with that $5 million? I don't understand it still. I mean, he hadn't been amazing. I, I think you would have liked to keep the guy for another year instead of selling short on him for a fifth-round pick. Not totally sure. They already signed a running back in David Montgomery. I know there's some veterans out on the market. I don't know what they're looking at here. Maybe it's just the salaries that you're going to have to pay your two first-round picks that, that you're worried about. Not sure, but how do you like this? I mean, a rebuilding team on the come up like that, five million ain't nothing to you, you know? Or maybe they didn't think they'd be able to re-sign him in the offseason and wanted an asset back. I don't know. Makes sense. Or maybe just not a good locker room guy, and they were over it, and like you're saying, hey, we don't want to extend him. Let's just get something now before it's too late. I don't know, but this is weird. If they don't do something with that money, something weird's going on. Like, why else would you trade the guy for a fifth round pick when the talent's still there? Yeah, well, he has had a rocky start to his career, played well in spurts last season. He's just battled a ton of injuries. It it hasn't gone as planned. Do you like it for Atlanta, though? They have added all sorts of free agents this offseason. Yeah, all sorts of free agents. And then they've traded for guys that are kind of afterthoughts on a lot of teams. You know, Johnu Smith, people like that that aren't going to be needle movers by any means but they're gonna help you win ball games and they brought in enough of those guys that are starting caliber players or at least gonna get snaps where yeah i mean they're they're getting a lot better they're making some sneaky solid moves just not grabbing any massive headline creating names well mac hollins great year last year scotty miller calais campbell veteran i mean i don't know what he's got left in the tank but I like that. And then the big one was Jesse Bates, who was a star for the Bengals. So, yeah, um, I expect them to be competitive if only they had a decent quarterback. You really think Ritter's going to start? It sounds like they're pretty content with him. Yeah, I do. really do. What about Hooker there? You think Hooker could make sense? Yeah. Although, if we're talking an Arthur Smith offense, not so sure. Yeah. Hooker's pushing the ball down the field. 
I mean, but he does kind of have that dual threat ability that Smith likes. Yeah, and they do to an have. Extent. I mean, he's coming off an injury, so I don't know, but I just can't imagine with everything that they've got and this young team. You know, you're kind of. I feel like have a chance to head in the right direction and turn the corner. You got a lot of talent, you know, Pitts. We'll see what happens with him. You got Algier. You've got some decent pieces there. I just don't know why they're going to roll Ritter out there. Who knows? Maybe they're a Trey Lance team. Yeah, maybe. And I got my fingers crossed. They're not a Bijan Robinson team. There's a that ton of noise about sense. that. They're the betting favorite, but to take a running back at eighth overall, when you have three guys you like and uh, you need a lot more than just a running back, that would make absolutely no sense. Um, let's keep it going here. The commanders officially may be selling. The deal's not done, but Josh Harris, he's the principal owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, is getting in to the NFL. And it sounds like Dan Snyder is finally getting pushed out. I hope it goes through just to make this franchise relevant again. I know they're division rivals with my Cowboys, but the NFL is better when the commanders are good. It's like the Raiders. I'm just kind of saying this because I wasn't, you know, I don't know man. in the nineties, but I can't even remember that's that what everyone says. I like Clinton Portis back in the day, like 2006 Sean Taylor. When, you know, they had yeah. Some decent teams. Jason Campbell had some years, you know, took one of the playoffs. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it could be a complete overhaul. Everything will be different. If this goes through new stadium will be coming. Just a different. What about juju. the QB? Is that like new owner syndrome where we could see a big trade happen and maybe they go get a guy like Lance because the new owner's like, all right, we're not rolling Sam Howell out there. We're about to do something. Want to make that, a splash, you know? That would be cool. I think that would just depend on the timing of the deal. Like, will they clean house this offseason? I think it's kind of late for that. So you probably just agreed. Let Ron Rivera coach one more year, see how he does, see what you're working with, and then go from there. Man, if this sale would have gone through like four months ago, they might have Lamar Jackson as their starting quarterback right now. That seems like something a new owner would have done. Low hanging fruit, MVP, you know, gonna sell tickets, get the entire franchise excited. You can go get them. It's possible. Forget the NFL and, you know, all the other owners if they don't want you to go after him because it's going to set the market for him. Just do it. Would have yeah. been cool. Definitely. All right. Last one here and let's move on. Allen Robinson traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers for a late round pick swap. Sounds like the Steelers are only paying five million of his salary. Does he have anything left in the tank? I don't think so. But being the third receiver there and an up and coming offense, not that bad, you know. Take the Claypool snaps. I'm out on him completely. Burn, <laughs> I mean, I burned me too bad last year. Uh, agreed. He hurt both of us really bad. I'm about there, but wouldn't rule it out. Wouldn't rule it out. Let's talk some hoops. It is playoff season after all. Before we go series by series, let's just touch base on the awards they've been trickling out all week, starting with. The Defensive Player of the Year award going to Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. You have any qualms yeah. with this? He, he barely played to start the season. Actually, he didn't play the first 20, 30 games. And a lot of people yeah, were upset I about it. don't agree. I, I don't think he played enough. And then also, I mean, the blocks are great. But when you watch the Grizzlies play games, I don't always feel like he's the best defensive player on the floor. What about the fact that their team defense and their defensive rating just completely flipped on its head once he came back? Yeah, that definitely helps. But at the same time, they weren't going to keep playing as bad as they were, you know, with how bad their start was to the season. Sure, him not being there factors into that to an extent, but like it was bound to get better. You know, they're not going to continue to give up 140 points per game on the season. Like it's going to level out and get back to the norm over time. So who do you think should have won? It's tough to say, and that's why I'm not all up in arms about it. I think Giannis definitely should have been in the conversation, although he missed a lot of time, and I think you could have made an argument for a handful of guys, but Triple J to me, it just felt like it was because he led the league in blocks. Yeah, and then with Mobley, it seemed to me like the buzz for him winning this award came out of nowhere. I didn't hear anyone Agreed. 
bring up his name until the season was over. And then all of a sudden, the biggest talking heads have him as their defensive player of the year. I'm no one ran away with it. You know, you could have made an argument for eight or nine different guys. I'm okay with it because they were the best defensive team this season. And he's out on the perimeter more than Jared Allen. Also blocking shots, played a ton of games like would have been cool, but he will probably win it next year or in the next three to five years. And then the Brooke Lopez thing, like it should be Drew Holiday or Giannis. When when all of the best guards in the league say that Drew Holiday is the best defender, I don't know why he doesn't get more love. Yeah, but award. Peter, the advanced metrics say Lopez is the best. Like Lopez had a great year defensively. I just don't think any rational person can make the argument that he's the best defender in the league. I'm with yeah. you. It, Giannis or Drew, more realistically. The Athletic dropped their player poll. They they got like 108 guys that to answer questions this year. When they asked who the best defender was, it was Drew Holiday. And you have you have anonymous quotes from guys saying like you literally try to run your offense on the other side of the court. He is a complete game changer. Nobody can do what he does. And I we've talked about it before. Dame Lillard brings him up all the time. Let's just give our guys some love because it really pops in the postseason. Guys do not like playing against him. That is for sure. All right. Next one. De'Aaron Fox wins the first inaugural Jerry West Award for Clutch Player of the Year, beats out DeMar DeRozan and Jimmy Butler. This is the right choice by a mile. I think all three of them deserve to be in the mix, but I watched a lot of Kings basketball being on the West Coast and that kind of being the time slot that I'm just able to watch. Dude, he was on freaking real in the fourth quarter and by far the best player in the league in crunch time. And the fact that they had a winning record and won many of these games where he put up 15 points in the fourth quarter and eight in the last five minutes, that says a lot more to me than a team that went 500. I think the more interesting part of this this award is what is the criteria for it? Because it's the first time we've ever given it out, I feel like there was an opportunity to kind of set that criteria, but it did just happen to go to the guy that scored the most clutch points. Like he checked every box that you could possibly try and factor into who should win this award. Like he was on freaking real in fourth quarters and in the last few minutes of games and technically crunch time the last five minutes, just unreal. I mean, we saw it in games, you know, both of these two so far, like game one, he didn't do hardly anything the first three quarters and just put his freaking foot on the Warriors throat in in the fourth quarter. Like he carried. Well, just going forward, I want to see guys who lock in on defense in clutch time, get their hat thrown in the ring here. Think it would make for a more interesting discussion and not just who scored the most clutch points. I agree. I think there's more that goes into it, but he does both. I mean, he does lock up on the defensive end. We're seeing him guard Steph some possessions down the stretch in the fourth. Like he's one of their better defenders also. Yep. And then last one, Mike Woodson of the Sacramento Kings wins coach of the year. You just mentioned it before the show, the first ever unanimous winner of this award. I think it makes all the sense in the world. No one expected them to make the playoffs even and they jump all the way to the three seed. I know there were injuries in the West, and they didn't battle many, but they still got it done, and through two games of the playoffs, I mean, he looks even more deserving. That's what I think is the most telling and makes it feel right. You know, it'd be one thing if, okay, the votes come in at the end of the regular season. Oh, they're down 2-0 to the Warriors. They lost home court. It looks like they're going to get swept. Then you don't really feel the same about, you know, them having two guys winning the awards, Brown being unanimous coach of the year. But they're up 2-0 on the Warriors and look damn good. Like, this was the correct choice, 100%. He deserves it. Well, let's use that and go right into our playoff review here. Let's start with the West and let's start with the Kings Warriors because we are fresh off that one. We have the Draymond Green suspension being announced for game three. And mm-hmm. what, what we're going to do for each series here, we're going to talk about panic meter for the higher seated team. And we're going to talk about the guy alert who needs to be put under the microscope for the rest of the series. Panic meter for me for the Kings is zero. They're they're playing with house money here. 
they could still 100%. lose the series and it would be a fun story a a success in my view you, you with me on that completely agree and i think if you're the warriors the panic meter's got to be at an eight or a nine because you're in danger of being swept here you really are it sounds crazy to say but on the flip side of the coin I could also see the Warriors getting down 3-0 and somehow being the first team to ever come back from a 3-0 deficit and the Kings that are a laughing stock blow the well, series. It's happened before, right? I do not think a team has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit. I don't think so. Fact check me there. 3-1 is incredibly rare. Don't think 3-0 has ever happened, at least not in the modern NBA. I could just see it happening with the Warriors and a Steph Curry legacy thing, Warriors dynasty, and you know the mockery of the Kings is back. I could, I could just see it, man. But hopefully not. I want to see the Kings actually sweep them. Three teams have rallied to tie it up at three to three, but then they and went on zero to lose game won. seven. Yeah, there it is. So I could see it. Don't count it out. I'm, I'm hoping it does not happen, but don't count it out. Yeah, uh, the pressure is ultimately as high as it's going to get for the Warriors to win here, especially without their defensive leader and kind of the guy that stirs the drink for them. I mean, I think they are in serious trouble. And agreed. Matchup wise, like the Kings just seem to to fit. Like it's it's a tough look for the warriors here, but they can't take advantage of Sabonis's weaknesses on defense. Steph's going to get to the basket and put up his floaters, put it up high off the glass, but they really don't have anyone else. That's attacking. They're the a rim. bad matchup because when you talk about that, yeah, who's going to go at Sabonis? Well, when <laughs> your two guys that play the four and the five score the least amount of points by a mile being Draymond and Looney, there's not really a threat to do anything to Sabonis, you know? Like, sure, you can try and get him switched on, but if you just have him drop and make sure that if it's Steph or whoever is the ball handler, you're going over on screens, you're chasing, you're not giving him space, like, you're not going to get exposed. And then on the flip side of it, when you think about Sabonis on the offensive end, no Draymond out there, okay, he's going to go at Looney. If Looney gets in foul trouble, do the Warriors, what is it, Kaminga on him? Like, what well, I think Kaminga's going to be starting, right? Probably. Maybe I could see them going smaller and starting Moody with how he, good he played in game two. But, like, they're in trouble. They are in trouble. Yeah, they're in serious trouble. Um, my guy alert for them is Jordan Poole, actually. I think he needs to That's get back call. to the level that we saw him play last year where he's, he's seemingly hitting a buzzer beater every single game he plays in, making some of the most fantastic plays with his ball handling and long-range shooting. He needs to tighten it up, protect the rock, if they want to win this next game. I, I think they're just going to need a monster performance out of him because Steph's going to do what he does. Clay's going to do what he does. Someone's got to step up here. It's either Poole or Kaminga. Well, yeah, Poole's got to step it up on both sides of the ball. He's got to play some defense because right now he's number one guy you can hunt, and it's really hard to have him and Steph on the floor at the same time. So he's got to step up and keep an eye on Moody. I think he is going to get a lot of minutes this next game. Uh, he, you know, he defends. He can knock down the three ball, and he played really good in his minutes the other night. So um, mm -hmm. he's one to keep an eye on. But my guy alert is Draymond Green. I mean, for all of the obvious reasons, but the fact that he is potentially going to be a free agent this summer. And if this series goes up in smoke and he continues to make an ass of himself and game four isn't better and they possibly get swept, it could get ugly. He's gone. He's declining that player option and Golden State is not going to give him an offer. I think that's something to keep an eye on, especially with the new tax penalties and what Golden State's payroll is going to look like next year. I mean, they're going to have to pay over 500 million when you factor in all the taxes that come from being so far over the cap. So Watch Draymond because this could be his last couple games as a warrior. Do you think he's going to get more than 27.5 yes. on the open market? 100%. He's going to be 33 next year. Some team will give him a two or three year deal at 30 plus mil a year. Somebody will. I won't rule it out. I think if you're a contender, that's the only way it makes sense. If you are oh, a middling team who doesn't have a serious, who doesn't really have a real chance of contending, 
You're wasting your money. You're not going to get the best version of Draymond. I think you have to be close for him to be fully bought in. And it's it's a big risk with him joining your locker room for reasons I don't have to get into. It is. But if you do it on a shorter term, you know, two years, maybe I I, would never go for it. Yeah. And I think it's probably going to be a sign and trade because when you look at the teams who could go after him, I don't think realistically anyone's going to have cap space. But think about Denver, you know, Denver could send. I don't know if they'd send Aaron Gordon, but they could send pieces in a future first. Mm. And that's probably going to be enough. And you get Draymond in the mix with Jokic and Jamal Murray. That's a team you have to take a lot more serious than a team that's starting Michael Porter Jr. who doesn't play defense. And now he can still start, but having Draymond out there with him makes me feel a lot better about that team defensively. I just can't see the Warriors willingly trading Draymond Green to the Denver Nuggets. I mean, would you let him walk and get nothing then? If you get assets back, like a first-round pick and a role player or two, I feel like you gotta bite the bullet on that one. I hear, I hear you. Though, I don't know. But... I, I, I'm, I can't do that. He's got to go to the Eastern Conference. Mm, I was thinking about East teams. What do you think about the Knicks? You think that would make sense? What are we doing with Julius Randle? We need some spacing if we're the Knicks. That's valid. You bring in shooters, play Randle, small ball five. Draymond is your four. Brunson can knock it down, but quickly Barrett... can knock it down. Am I really yeah, going to start Barrett and Draymond? I'm not so sure about true. that. That's a good point. Other East teams. Now, let's say Boston falls short. They get knocked out by Milwaukee. They lose like 4-1. Do you think that they would bring Draymond in? No. Have him play the four, Jalen Brown play the, uh, the two, and then Tatum play the three? Kind of interchangeable on the wing, those two? That would be... I, I could see that working out. Be a big uh, risk in terms of locker room, though, yeah, like you said. Mega risk. <laughs> I don't think it's worth it if you're Boston. One team who is Philly. really under fire right now, Atlanta. Mm. If if you are holding on to Trey Young, maybe Draymond is what he needs. He allows Trey like to that. play off the ball more. I think Trey Young's getting traded, but if they were to keep him, yeah, that's a good one. I was thinking you were going to say Philly if they flame out because he can kind of balance Harden out. You know, he can be that motor with Embiid and keep him locked in and they could feed off each other. They space the floor fine with Embiid and Harden out there. You don't have to worry about Draymond messing up the spacing. Same with Maxi. Could send Thibel back in the sign and trade. Yeah, that that's interesting. I, I, w- I would want him to go to a team that has a lot of shooting. So, I don't know. Hey, Philly's got shooting, man. The Nets, maybe. Or, hell, the Pacers would be pretty fun. He'd be close to home. Not sure if that's a priority for him. Yeah, I don't know if they're close enough to winning because I think he wants that FU ring to the Warriors of, I was the motor. I was the one that got us going, you know? Yeah, no, I'm I'm in agreement there. Um, Anything else on this series? No, it's going to be a blast. I can't wait to watch the rest of it. I think it's by far the most intriguing matchup in the first round. Do you think the Kings have a legitimate chance to come out of the West? Come out of the West? No. Win this series? Absolutely. I picked them in seven. I'm standing by that, uh, hoping they can get it done in less than that. Yeah, I agree. I'm not trying to like douse the fire here, but like, as good as the Kings have been here, we knew about these Warriors' struggles, their lack of depth, inability to win on the road. I it's think a great matchup for them, too. Yeah. They do not match up as well with Denver or with Phoenix. I mean, Jokic is going to beat up Sabonis, and Denver will get whatever they want, put up 145 a night if they end up running into each other next round. Let's go or, Suns excuse me, Clippers. That would be the round after, but you know what I'm saying. Let's go Suns Clippers because we could get stuck on this one for a little while. Uh, My key takeaway is this has been my favorite series over even the Kings Warriors one. Wow. I love watching Kawhi Leonard. I love watching Kevin Durant. And this is, I mean, this is the most epic like one-on-one battle we're getting in the first round. How are you feeling about it? What's your panic meter at? I'm at a two. I feel way better after last night's game. And here is why. 
first of all, Stan Van Gundy, incredible job on the call. I mean, a lot of what I would be talking about, you know, pick and roll coverages and the way that really the way that the Clippers continue to play drop coverage throughout most of the game and Phoenix and Booker specifically got whatever they wanted. Then when you look at Phoenix and what they started to do, they would throw some blitzes at Kawhi. They would double him as soon as he started to dribble and attack the paint. They weren't letting him get into a shot at all. They had help ready if they weren't going to double. I mean, they did an incredible job making sure if he caught the ball in an attacking position or dribbled into one that they had a double there ready to go. It took five quarters for them to finally do that and adjust, but I feel good because if we double Kawhi, sure, we'll let Westbrook or Eric Gordon or Bones Highland try and beat us. Now, they've kind of had that same mentality where they've dared Torrey Craig and DeAndre Ayton to take jump shots to beat them, but then they started doubling KD, and if you're going to double KD, good night. You can't double KD when Devin Booker's on the court. We saw that in the second half. That's why he was able to cook. Soon as the double would come, KD would kick it out, swing, swing, find Booker. Defense is adjusting. Booker's going to get to the paint and attack or be wide open for a three ball. Like They just can't double KD, and you cannot play straight up against Book and KD either. It's just too much for them with no PG. If PG's out there, it's a different story because you can't double Kawhi willy-nilly. PG open in the corner, he's going to knock it down. But maybe. I feel much better after <laughs> maybe. game two. Yeah, maybe. If it's not a playoff game, you would. If it's a meaningful playoff game, maybe not, actually. Yeah, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, have you heard anything on his status for game three? No, he's definitely not coming back this series. Oh, I, I didn't yeah. know that. No, yeah, he's out for the series. And he had a valid point. He complained saying the way the NBA scheduled the series was kind of bullshit because there's no two days off between games. Have you noticed that? A lot of these series, Mm -hmm. like the Lakers series and the Warriors series, they have two days off between a lot of these games. Phoenix does not. Two days off between the Kings and the Warriors. Like, what does that drive? An hour and a half? I don't know if it's, it's TV slots. I don't know. I don't know if they started that series a day or two before some of the others, so they're trying to make them end around the same time. I don't know, man, but I don't love it from Phoenix's standpoint because we're obviously going to play KD and Booker a ton of minutes and kind of yeah. need that rest, but it's also preventing Paul George from coming back. So I don't know. Yeah. Kind of well, sucks for both teams. <laughs> I have the panning meter at six. Um, it might be a little bit high. Yeah, now that I know for sure Paul George isn't coming back. You also said last night the Clippers might sweep the Sun. So, hey, and it looked like they were going to win the game there for a minute. Yeah, for one quarter. For one quarter. But the reason it, my panic meter is above a five is because, one, Booker and Kevin Durant are going to get run into the ground due to a lack of depth. It's playoff basketball. It is, but... I'm, I'm not trying to jinx him or, you know, Bro, cause look at any championship team and look at KD and his finals runs. He played huge minutes. It's not that crazy, man. It's basketball. We haven't seen him hold up in a while. I'm a little bit nervous about that. I feel fine. Okay. I feel fine. I don't think playing three or four extra minutes is going to be the reason he gets hurt. I really don't. I think the guy's in phenomenal shape. He's an absolute gamer. I think this is the way he'd want it. They don't want to sit. They want to win. True. But the other thing is they did steal one from y'all at home. So you're going to have to go to L.A., win one there, and take care of business against where is Kawhi on the playoff guy list? We talked oh, about Jimmy up being up there as a maybe yeah, top he's five. He's higher than Jimmy. Five. Um, I can't name three guys I'd rather have. Than, I mean, I think you could Kawhi? say Giannis. Yeah, above Kawhi. I would say Giannis. Yeah. And then uh, I'd take playoff Kawhi over playoff KD with what I've seen in the last five years. If being honest, I'd love to put Booker KD above him, but I've been I've been a Kawhi guy, man. I'm glad to see him back. I just wish it wasn't against Phoenix because I had high hopes for the Clippers and him, and that mm-hmm. was the team behind Phoenix that I thought could win the West. I thought it would be one of them too. Uh, changes things without PG, obviously, but I mean, this level of Kawhi, this is the guy three to four years ago that we were watching who I was arguing I thought could be better than LeBron when it's all said and done. That sounds stupid now with how much time he missed and how things have gone with the Clippers, but he has that gear when he's right where you can make the argument he's the best in the world on some nights. Yeah, I agree. 
it'll be fun to go back and watch the Kawhi Leonard YouTube playoff montage someday. Um, you talked about the drop coverage situation that SVG kept bringing up. Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea of what the adjustments will be from Ty Lue? I saw Kendrick Perkins tweet how, well, of course, Stan, he's not going to make that adjustment this late in the game in the fourth quarter when the Suns kind of have control already and we already stole one on the road. That's stupid. You should have made the adjustment whenever you think you can win. Like the game was still there to be had. You make that adjustment. I mean, Monty made the adjustment in the middle of the second quarter to start doubling Kawhi and send him more pressure his way and blitz him. You can't afford to go down. Oh, two. Yeah. But if you're playing the favorite to come out of the conference and you have a chance to go up two Oh, you're not going to wait to make an adjustment because it's in the third or fourth quarter. And realistically, Ty Lue should have made that adjustment at halftime. I think he got the better of Monty through five quarters. Let him know. Oh. Let him know how to coach. <laughs> well, is it not fucking obvious that you can't drop on the Phoenix Suns all yeah, day? It, it like, seems like it was elementary. pretty clear and obvious to me. And I was getting excited every time that they didn't make that adjustment. I just, I, I don't know, man, that, I here's don't my, agree with that statement at all. Here's my theory. Zubak will guard Tory Craig to start the game. That way, you're going to have to screen with Tory Craig if you want to get Zubak into that action. Maybe. Or they play mostly small ball. Sure, they'll start Zubak, but I think they're going to play 25 to 30 minutes small and switch everything. That's my best guess. Have, yeah. You know... Your Kawhi, your Eric Gordon, uh, maybe Norm Powell, some Batum, and then probably a little Morris, maybe some Covington, and just switch everything. Morris was a DNP. Am I looking uh, at so this? So was right? Covington, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. Both of them were. So I guess let's watch and see if one of those guys gets in the game here in Game Three. I think they will. Guy alert! I have Chris Paul. You were you were saying a lot of things about him that we probably can't say on the air here. <laughs> uh, but my favorite player. He turned around in the second half. He was being aggressive, getting to his spots, and that's what I want to see from him the rest of the way. I think with the load that Booker and Carry are Booker and KD are having to carry, Chris is going to have to keep his foot on the gas and continue to shoot. He cannot fade late in these games. They're going to need him to get to that elbow and knock down some jumpers. I don't know. I I do think he's the guy to watch as well, but I kind of disagree with you. And I think in this series, the way that they match up, it might make more sense for Phoenix to keep him on the bench 15 to 20 minutes a night. And I think they've gone to to KD and do what? Who are you going to? Am I going to Kevin Durant and Booker? Like it, it put Okoki and Craig out there. I don't okay. give a shit. If you have KD and Booker out there, you got plenty of offense. They're bringing the ball up a lot because with Chris Paul, what teams are starting to do is three balls, not what it used to be. And they're starting to give him space when he's bringing the ball up and the defense is able to sag and drop back a little bit. And the spacing's not as good for everyone else. When mm-hmm. you have KD or book bringing it up the court, you have someone at the top of the key extended, ready to pick them up because they can pull from 30 feet. And you've got to respect that when you have them generating the offense, it's so much easier to have space and get into your sets. And then also on the defensive end, you can hunt Chris Paul, you know, there are guys that were going after him these last two True. games. And if you don't have Chris Paul out there and your worst defender is a Devin Booker or, you know, maybe it is Shamit. He's not a world-class defender, but he's average. You know, you can't necessarily just hunt him and expose him like you can with Chris Paul. All right. We'll see if those two and Aiton is enough offense. I worry about Craig and Akogi being out there with those three. Tory Craig. If you knock down the corner three, it don't matter. I know. Shout out to him. He's 7-12 from three in the series thus far. I'm not sure that's going to hold up. So who's your He's guy? He's wide open. It might, man. He shot 40% from three on the year at a relatively high volume. Who's your guy? I was saying Chris Paul's my guy to watch as well. Okay. I think his minutes could drop down and they could be better with him off. All right, let's go Grizz Lakers. Grizzlies bounce back. You get a big dub without John Morant tonight. But panic meter for me is still an eight for them. What? They dropped one at home. We were we were worried that the Lakers were a real threat to win this series. 
Now we still don't know. I was not. Okay, well, we still don't know if Jaws going to be ready for game three. And I'm kind of buying this Lakers team right now. I'm not. I don't think LeBron's got enough in the tank to go seven and win this. I don't think they're going to get it done in less than seven. He didn't do anything in the fourth quarter tonight. I mean, the game was within reach and he didn't do anything. He's looking at Austin Reeves. He's load managing. It's the fucking playoffs. What are you waiting for? You don't give you don't put any stock in these teams winning a game on the road. It's one game. I think we make the mistake every single year in the playoffs of a team steals one game and we think it's a big deal. Orlando stole a game from Milwaukee the year Milwaukee won a championship, Peter. Okay? The Orlando Magic in the first round. Like, things happen. They happen. I'm pretty sure that was game one of the series in Milwaukee. And so, shit like that happens. It's one game. You know, it's the playoffs. It's a different. No, no, that was was the year after. No, I think it was the bubble. You said when Milwaukee won a championship. Uh, maybe it was a different year then, or maybe I got Lakers my facts won off, but in the anyway, bubble. Yeah, that's won the next year. The Orlando Magic, with Giannis in peak form, stole a game from them as either a seven or eight seed in the first round. Like it happens, especially when a team has been resting guys, and now we've got the play-in in there where you have a few more days of rest. Like it's one game. And I think Memphis bounced back tonight. They've played lots of games without John Morant. And Desmond True. Bain has played like dog water these first two games. He's shooting like 30% from the field. So he's my guy to watch because I think if he gets it going and you have guys like Tillman that are able to step up tonight in LaRavia that can give you, you know, 12, 15 points here and there, they're deep enough. They've done it all year. They've done it really the last two years. They're fine. This Lakers team isn't that good. And unless LeBron starts putting up 32, 33 a night and looks like LeBron, then my panic meter jumps up a little bit. But right now, I'm at a cool four. I feel much better after this game. I think Jaw can rest another one, take game three off. That's not a must win. Game four is the one you really need. Wow, okay. Well, LeBron did have 28 and 12 tonight. Uh, My guy alert belongs to the duo of Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura. Hachimura coming out of nowhere in this series. 20 points tonight five boards game one he goes off for 28 nobody expected this i don't really think people thought reeves would ball out in his playoff debut here but sure enough he did and i want to ask i don't know if we've had the conversation on the pod how big is his bag going to be this offseason bigger than whatever the lakers can offer him i'll tell you that much uh, i believe they can he only go up- yeah he's gone he is gone, dude. Uh, there's, yeah, because also it'd be one thing if LeBron's going to be with the Lakers for another five years and he's in his prime, then yeah, you know, take a little pay cut, stay there. You have maybe one year left of LeBron in LA max, maybe two. So I think you go get the bag. Uh, Lakers can only offer roughly 14 mil a year with where they're at cap wise. Someone's going to give him 20 plus mil a year. Somebody will. All it takes is one team. Might not be a four-year deal, but somebody's going to, the cap's going to continue to jump. The guy's going to get it back. And I mean, I've I've watched enough Lakers ball this year where I'm not surprised by him. However, Rui, I am flat out shocked. I don't think that's going to continue, but I do think Reeves will continue to contribute. I agree on the Reeves part. Um, I think he'll get more than the mid-level exception, which is jumping up to $12.2 million with the new CBA. Um, that might be next year too. I'm not hundred percent sure. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's going into effect for this upcoming season, but it's coming soon. Nonetheless, yeah. I'm looking at a 16 plus million dollar a year deal for him. But remember Caruso, another undrafted guy won a title with the Lakers went to Rob Polinka said, this is all I'm asking for. And they still wouldn't give it to him. What if Reeves goes back and really wants to stay? I think this time they might actually pay the man. Unless he says, you know what, I'm going to run it back with LeBron. I'll take one or two more years, but they literally can't offer more than $14 million a year. It's the highest they can yeah. go. So maybe he takes a one-year $14 million deal with a player option or something. As an undrafted player, I don't think you can take that risk. I think you need to get the guaranteed money, get your first big deal, and change 10, your family's life forever. Um, all Absolutely. right. Absolutely. Unless unless LeBron tells you, hey man, stay and I'll pay you 10 million <laughs> in cash. Yeah. Just come stay in LA with me for a year, then maybe he does it. Yeah, a little uh CBA loophole there, huh? Uh uh-huh. so it sounds like 
you don't even need to answer this question about how seriously you're taking the Lakers. You're still not around on them. No, I'm not. Okay. And it's just a matter of time till AD misses a couple games. I mean, the guy got a stinger and was like, I can't move my shoulder. Like, it, it's just, it's the same song and dance with them. And we'll see. I mean, LeBron, he's LeBron. You know, he can do something special, but I just don't think he has enough in the tank to actually make it out of the Western Conference and go six or seven with Memphis and then go see a Kings team that's red hot or a Warriors team that's got so many rings and then go see a Denver or a Phoenix after that. Like, it's just... It's not going to happen. A lot tougher matchup for the Kings with Anthony Davis at the rim than this Warriors team. Remember, the Lakers were the best team post-All-Star break. I put stock in that. I don't. So many teams had injuries and rested guys the last five to ten games. And what, the All-Star break after it was a 25-26 game sample? Like It wasn't that big. Zero dark 25. All right, let's wrap up the West here with a quick one. Nuggets, Wolves. Panic meter for the Nuggets for me is zero. Zero. <laughs> and my guy alert, again, this is a duo one. It's going to Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. Who's going to step up and be the alpha amongst these two? I don't think either are. And I think uh, the guy to watch is Jokic because he's going to continue to run that offense. And I mean, he didn't even have to do much game one. They pulled him early, and I think he had like 13, 9, and 12, but... Rudy Gobert can't stop him. Carl Anthony Towns can't stop him. It It's just, I mean, the guy's the best offensive player in the league. They're too good. 13, 14 boards, six assists. Pretty solid day at the office for the... And like, what, 24 minutes? 28 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the Wolves have no chance. I, I've said this previously. I don't think Cat is a serious NBA player uber talented but he does not scream playoff winner to me um and i i was really hoping anthony edwards would get there this year and show us that he can be that alpha but between it's been bad yeah the lakers playing game he couldn't throw a rock in the ocean the thunder game he went for 19 i know that was kind of a blowout maybe toss that one out um and then he had 18 in game one here you could say the same thing but I want to see him take that jump, and he hasn't done it so far. So that's where we're at. Looking back on that draft class, and we thought it was going to be a massive one. You know, you've got Ant, you got Lamelo, Cole Anthony, all these big names. It's kind of been a little bit of a dud. Not a dud, but I mean, we haven't seen any perennial. This guy's going to be a ten-time All Star guaranteed. I think Ant's the closest that we've had to that, and I don't really know what to make of him at this point is there anyone in that class i'm missing but i feel like for how hyped it was it's been a massive letdown yeah lamello rough situation halliburton went 12 he may be the best player in that draft yeah he's still probably not going one but you picking him over lamello a two yes uh, yeah I, I love lamello and the potential but the guy can't stay healthy, and I don't I don't know what to expect from him off the court. He's a wild card. Halliburton, you know exactly what you're getting. That guy's about his business. Maxi went 21. Precious Achua, 20. Quickly, 25. Jaden McDaniels, 28. He might crack the top five. Yeah, I whiffed on him. Some of those others, though, man, I was I was high on Quickly and a couple of Maxi. Desmond Bain, 30. I know we both had him top 20. We were on him. Yeah, uh, once you get outside the 15, that class is pretty good, But or the top 15, I should say, but the top guys that were supposed to be the ones and next yeah. to take over the league, they've not been... Pat Williams, Okoro, Hayes, Obi Toppin, your boy Jalen <laughs> Smith. Yeah. Not uh, my boy. I like a Kongwu. Went six. Yeah. He's coming around strong. All right. I'd see him get more minutes there. Speaking of the East, let's go ahead and jump over. Let's start. Actually, take your pick. Which Where do you want to start here? Let's just, you know, keep it with the Hawks. We were talking about Okongwu. Uh, they're going to get swept. I think that that feels like the most likely to be a sweep, maybe right up there with Minnesota and Denver. Atlanta's tried, man. Like, they've emptied the clip and gone on some runs in these games and still lose by double digits. And, 
Trey Young just ain't it, man. He, he's not it. Yeah, I think we we knew with his, I guess, both plans. Like, you weren't going to take any of the teams that made it that seriously outside of the Lakers. Maybe Miami. Maybe Miami. Yeah, maybe Miami. And yeah, it's, to an extent, yes, the Lakers. We did think they can win a series. I agree with that. Yeah, the, the Hawks here, it's tough. Tough sledding for Quinn Snyder. Um, different conversation there, but... Panning meter for Boston is zero. zero. I, I think the big takeaway for me here is that Atlanta rushed the process. And if you are a fan of a young ascending team, let's say the Pacers or the Thunder. The Thunder. This is a prime example. Let's throw the magic in there too. This is a prime example of what I've pushed back on you on for multiple seasons now. You can't push your chips in too soon. I mean, if you know, I was saying guys like Zion Williamson and some, you know, some haymakers there. Sure, I, but I'm not talking about going and trading for a, a B player. That's it, just everything about that didn't make sense. And then you throw Kevin Kevin Herter away for a bag of potato chips, and he's yeah. maybe your best wing. Like I don't. It's just, it doesn't make sense. Their pieces don't fit. I do hear what you're saying. Like, yeah, with those teams, you shouldn't rush it. Other moves they could have made to possibly speed things up might have worked. But yeah, the assets that they lost in that trade and the fact that they're clearly going to be nowhere near winning a title anytime in the next 10 years. Yeah. They're screwed. They're screwed. Bleak future. And the word is that Trey's getting traded. I know we've talked about potential trade teams there really aren't that many. Um, and I think it goes back to the whole team building thing. If you take a guy with minus positional size, especially at the point guard position, it just restricts everything that you can do going forward. I think OKC and Toronto are two examples of teams that have put a value on plus positional size and it's paid off thus far. I mean, on the defensive end, both those teams have been solid. I know Toronto is a little bit wonky with a lack of shooting, but I think if you're if you are a GM, you just got to be careful drafting these smaller guys. You're not wrong, but also Steph Curry's won a lot of rings. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's some outliers, aren't there? It's definitely some exceptions. Hey, but he he's bought in on defense. He's transformed his body, and he's got better yeah, every year. He's- Great getting into passing lanes, good team defender. You know, he's not the best one on one defender ever, but yeah, he, I mean, he he makes up for it. So it's also fun not to, much play to with. say on this one. What was that? It's also fun, fun to, to play, play with. with for sure. I think that the matters. Work, the work ethic is there, absolutely. Good culture guy. Uh, I've got this one as a sweep as well. Panic meter is a zero, and my guy to watch is Trey Young because I think we're about to see his last two games in Hawks uniform. My guy is Derek White, who looks like the best of the White. Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon trio, and for getting clowned last night by Charles Barkley, that was totally oh. unwarranted. I mean, the guy's averaging 25 points, six rebounds, and five assists in the series, and all they're talking about is his hairline. Crazy. That was mean. It was it, funny, though. Yeah. Um, all right, let's keep it going here. Let's go Bucks Heat. They are playing right now, or they just wrapped up. I actually haven't seen the score yet. Bucks were up by 30 for most of that game. Yeah, okay. I think they finished with a 25-point win or something like that. Bucks won 138-122. Didn't see it because we're doing this, but I put the panic meter at six, even though they lost game one. Um, I, I feel like you could maybe argue it should have been higher coming into tonight with this Giannis injury missing game two. But I believed in Drew Holiday and the su- supporting cast to get this W. And now that they have game two under their belt, I think they'll be just right. And with the Tyler Hero loss, there's really no way Miami's winning this series. I'm with you. I think if they would have kept it close tonight and Milwaukee wouldn't have made this massive statement like they did, you definitely could have made the argument of like, all right, Miami's got a real shot here. But 
I mean, the Bucks outscored them 35-28 in the first, 46-27 in the second, and 37-30 in the third. They were up by over 30 points going into the fourth quarter, and were up by 25-plus for most of this game. Uh, the Heat outscored them 17 points in the fourth quarter, mainly because I would assume Milwaukee pulled everyone around the time we were like at the 10-minute mark. So yeah. uh, I, I don't think you can get above a five here. I think a five is like, right where you should be if not maybe a four on the panic meter for the bucks just because they've got enough if Giannis doesn't come back for a few games where they can win and then as soon as he does come back he's too much I mean as long as the guy's 75 80 percent healthy you can't stop him. there's nothing you can throw at him he's too athletic too long too talented bucks get it done and they've got real depth like real depth this mm-hmm. year which has been the missing piece the last couple seasons uh they had a massive night from pat Connaughton. joe ingles was hitting some big shots they're okay they're okay as long as chris middleton can show up and be close to the guy he used to be pre-injury and start to get right they're just fine 16 7 and 6 from middleton tonight they had seven guys time. score 13 or more points so yeah the depth popped. Uh, and again, with the hero injury, I just don't know who's scoring for Miami. You're going to see more Duncan Robinson minutes, a lot of Max Struess. Max Struess. He's going to have to put up 20 plus. Yeah. Uh, but if you're relying on Caleb Martin and Oladipo this much, I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. I agree. Not looking good for Miami. All right. Let's go Cavs Knicks because it's a, a bit more compelling than Sixers Nets. Where are you <laughs> at with this one? What's the panic meter for the Cavs? I'm man, I'm maybe just underreacting to some of these, but I'm only at a three for the Cavs. I think they had a massive bounce back game. I know they lost one, but they've also been the best road team on the season. So. They're not phased by going into Madison Square Garden. I feel like they really got the better of Randall and Brunson. We're pretty physical with them. And the Knicks kind of got demoralized in that game. And I don't know if Randall's anywhere close to 100%. He was banged up coming in. He had that collision with Jared Allen in the fourth. I just feel like the Cavs are the better team. And we saw Garland kind of take that step last game where he said, no, 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 it's my turn, Donovan. And he was the one that was generating the offense and knocking down three balls. Had over 30 points. Uh, Mitchell was able to tone in the first it back. half. It was damn good, man. Yeah, it was damn good. And Donovan didn't really have to score. It was easy for them. So I think with the size that they have, just a bad matchup for the Knicks. And it's only a matter of time till they get it figured out and they handle this series. Yeah, I've got it as a four right now. Um, I like your point about the road record. And I know MSG is going to be rocking. But again, that is a place where guys show out on the road. And true with all the rumors with about Donovan Mitchell going there this past offseason, I think he's going to be ready to rock. He had a quiet game. game here. He yeah, fumbled the bag. Right, 13 dimes in game two. I think, hey, that'll be under 10, but he's going to go for 30. He's going to try to send a message. And yeah, credit to Bickerstaff as well for getting Garland more involved, having him go out there and be more aggressive. He was hunting his shot off the bounce, which you'll love to see. It's it's just a beautiful rainbow arc jumper from him. Uh, I'm with you, though. I, I think these Tibbs guys, they're playing big time minutes. They're getting worn down, and that Cavalier size is going to become too much. Yeah, they just don't have enough. And Josh Hart is hurt, too. Like, really, probably three of your best playoff players or most important players, and Brunson, Randall, and Josh Hart, none of them are anywhere close to 100%. That's just not good. Yeah. Where is the scoring going to come from? Quickly? Exactly. Rhymes? It's asking a lot from those two. It really is. Uh, so for me with the Cavs panic meter, I'm low, man. I'm like a two, like very unconcerned guy alert. I'm going to stick with Garland. I know he had the monster game, but he doesn't have playoff experience. I want to see him continue to, to get to his spots and score here. Got to be aggressive yeah, for, for me. It's Jalen Brunson. He's going to have to carry and play like he did in game one and be lights out for the Knicks to have a chance. So I'm excited to see what he can do. All right. Sixers Nets. Let's close it out here. Uh, sweep. This is a sweep. Most likely. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know though. Brooklyn, they they were feisty for three quarters last game. Maybe they get a little something going at home, but uh Bridges is my guy. My panic meter for Philly is a zero. Even if the Nets get one, they're not gonna win the series. But uh Bridges has to generate more offense and get going for them to have a shot. So he's my guy. I'm watching. I'm gonna give the Sixers a one because oh. I want to see more out of James Harden. He's not getting to the line. You're asking a lot of Tyrese Maxey here. Let's just make sure we get this done in four. Like I said, coming into the series, we can't put miles on our two stars. Tobias Harris, continue to be a go-to guy. Get 20 a night here on the road. Can't afford for him not to show up. Uh, So, yeah, Sixers, get the job done here and let's move on. I'm, I'm ready for these round two playoff series because we got a few duds here in the first round. Absolutely. There's only like three <laughs> series that I'm really excited about. If I'm being honest, nothing in the East really excites me. I mean, Cavs and Knicks, eh, kind of, but like it's really all the series in the West and it's, it's kind of just the Suns Clippers, the Kings Warriors, and then the Grizzlies Lakers that I'm, I'm real fired up to watch. All right, let's close it out here with the new new fun little segment I wanted to play because just done it with my roommates, done it with friends, and it creates an interesting combo. He got okay. what? You where you're gonna guess the NBA career earnings of a random player I've picked for Okay, you. I was I was wondering where that was going. I was am I spawning to that? What did he get? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to bounce through decades as we do this. I know the salary cap spiked. Guys are getting way bigger deals. Bradley Beal is going to be a half billionaire uh, whenever it's all said and done. Uh, but let's start with one of your all-time favorites, maybe your all-time favorite, Steve Nash. What was his career right, earnings? Career earnings, I don't think he ever had a contract more than like $20 million a year. I'm going to say $100 million, right on the button. Final answer. Uh, let's up it to 120. Actually, he did have two MVPs. Let's go 120. Over. Career earnings came out to 145 million dollars, the most Steve Nash ever had on one, or the highest annual That's value. About 20 mil. He ever had 13.1 in wow, 0910. Okay. Wow, I was over there, but I, I was pretty close, pretty close in the career. Was that the max? No, it couldn't have been. 20 mil was ballpark the max back then, I think. That's why I guessed it. Maybe he signed the deal, you know, four-year deal coming off his rookie deal. He wasn't a huge prospect, so. Yeah, well, when he won his first MVP, he was making $8.75 million a year. Look how far we've come. That was also like 20 years ago. Yeah. Oh four oh five, crazy. All right, that's the first edition. Right, he got what? Oh, just one question. I thought you had a few for me. I was ready to keep going. Oh well, we'll save that for next week. Just had to intro it this <laughs> week. Right. We gotta get, we gotta, you know, leave a little taste on the people's mouths, get them excited for next week. No, absolutely. I was just locked and loaded, man. I'm in game mode right now. Uh, All right. Well, let's get out of here. Uh, Y'all know the drill. Give us that five-star rating if you would be so kind. Got a lot more playoff basketball to watch, and we will be back next week. Peace.